Representatives of the American Pistachio Association, Pecan Partnership, Walnut Guild, Cashew Federation, and Almond League say the widespread belief that Rudy Giuliani is a nut is hurting their image and sales. (laughs) Republican Congressman Jim Jordan under heavy sedation ahead of tomorrow's impeachment vote. (laughs) And Donald Trump writes a spiteful letter to Nancy Pelosi calling her spiteful. Well, I'm Carl Wolfson along with Kim Upham, Paul Block, and Dylan Hyde. You're listening to The Wolf Pack coming to you from the Steel Door and Lane Galleries in Northwest Portland. Patrick Zahn is our producer. Hello, Pat. Hello, everybody. Hey, you know... um, Week before the winter solstice. Yeah, that's right. Exciting. Beginning of of winter. Um, We're watching, I think a lot of people watch Oscar-worthy movies because most of them are released in November, December. There was a movie that, and I'm in the theater a lot these days, and there was one trailer that was particularly um, irritating me because it seemed that every cliche, every trope for this uh, kind of movie was in there, and that's Dark Waters. Well, we watched it over the weekend, and it's a really strong movie. Uh, I don't know how much you know. It's based on the true story of a lawyer in Cincinnati who went to bat for against DuPont on behalf of a farmer whose cows were poisoned. And DuPont, for decades and decades and decades, he proved through these um, lawsuits, knew about these chemicals, this has to do with Teflon, hid them. And it's a, it's a really, it's not a great movie, but it, it's something that liberals and not just liberals, everybody should understand. Because it's uh, – and as lawyers, Dylan and, and uh, Kim, you will also appreciate the work that this guy did and wouldn't give up. Poison is not a liberal thing. Yeah. Uh, And uh, Kim told me when I mentioned this a little while before air that you did – you produced a documentary called Dark Water Rising, right? I did, yes. Plug it. It's about Hurricane Katrina um, aftermath and the rescue efforts that went on. People came from across the country to rescue animals after the city was uh, left empty and animals were abandoned in their homes. And uh, it was a pretty amazing time, and it was a pretty mm-hmm. amazing group of people that came together. It's on Amazon Prime, so you wow. can see it for free if you're a Prime member. That's great. So wow. Dark Water Rising. Rising. Yep. Kim Upham, yep. 72 minutes on that's Amazon. Right. Congratulations. Memory. Wow. Well, that's good. My I fondest memory of, of Katrina was that, that, fondest <laughs> now. Mm. Was mm. that Fats Domino stayed alive through the event two weeks in his attic. Before he got rescued. I didn't know that. Yes. My favorite memory was when Anderson Cooper said to the governor of Louisiana, uh, she was going on about how great the rescue efforts were going. And he said, I'm sorry to interrupt you, governor, but I saw a rat feasting on a dead body today. So I'm not thinking things are going so well. That's not as good as Fats Domino staying alive. My favorite part of Hurricane Katrina was when Kanye West was standing next to Mike Myers at a fundraiser and said on live TV, George Bush doesn't care about black people. Oh, yeah. Uh, And and Mike Myers' face of just shock and horror, not knowing what to do. How do you follow up that? Well, I'll round out the quartet here. Uh, Gary and I were in Cambridge, Massachusetts um, on vacation, and we were at the, I believe, the Henry Wadsworth Longfellow House, which is a great tour in Cambridge. And there was a group, maybe about 16 of us on tour. And um, some woman, um, the docent was giving a tour. Some woman said, uh, excuse me, I have to leave. I'm from New Orleans and there's a storm headed. And we were like kind of rolling our eyes. We didn't know what was happening. We were rolling our eyes. And the next day, we're flying back on JetBlue. And it was a big thing to have your live TV screens on JetBlue at the time. And 
they showed the the weather radar, and I said, "Wow, we should not have rolled our eyes at that woman. Look what's barreling mm-hmm. towards New Orleans." So yeah, really unprecedented. So those are our favorite moments from a natural disaster. Um, <laughs> hey, a couple things. Well, uh, we got some great uh, questions to uh, address tonight, and I'm sure the pack is going to come down. Uh, we were very well acquitted in, in answering these questions. Can a I couple- tease them a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. We're going to deal with Greta Thunberg. Thunberg, Thunberg. Thunberg. and we're going to deal with Trump corruption, and we're going to deal with Boris Johnson's victory in the United Kingdom. So stay tuned. Don't leave us. Uh, This from the Washington Post, President Trump has now made 15,413 false or misleading claims since taking office. If you're at home... You know, if you're the 400 guy pound guy on the bed at home, take uh, keeping track of all this. Oh, he's well over 15,000 now. How many days has he been in office? <laughs> he's been in office. He can't be in no, office enough to lie that much. 1,055 days. So he's in a pretty good clip. It's about 15 a day. Right. Oh, uh, Jesus. I love this quote. I put it up on Facebook last week or between podcasts. Former Congressman Barney Frank, I think it's a great line. He said, quote, you don't have to live in Kentucky to vote against Mitch McConnell. In other words, if we we flip the Senate, you're voting against Mitch McConnell. I think this is a good line for Democrats. And I just looked at the uh, Cook uh, political and, polit- and Politico uh, polls of polls. Uh, in Arizona, Mark Kelly leads Martha McSally by three. In Colorado, John Hickenlooper leads Corey Gardner by 13. Nice. In North Carolina, Cal Cunningham leads Tom Tillis by two. Wow. And in Maine, Sarah Gideon is trails Susan Collins by three, but that is still winnable. So um, I love the line. And we can also win in Iowa. We can win in Kansas. We can win in Kentucky, too. If enough people come out against um, uh, Mitch McConnell, that's where so Amy, Amy McGrath is running. Any polls in Alabama? With Doug I Jones? haven't seen them. Okay, I haven't seen. We have to hold that. Yeah, and when that's going to be difficult. More. Well, big turnout is the antidote here, and um, I'll just say this because tomorrow I believe is the impeachment vote mm-hmm. on the floor of the House. All reports say Mitch McConnell's decided and declared that all Republicans will vote to uh, acquit the president in the the Senate, I just have to tell you, and you can react to this, but those senators who vote against Trump's removal from office are going to own all of his crimes from now on. I agree. Okay. In fact, acquittal will embolden him to continue to shred the Constitution and endanger our democracy. Especially if there is no trial, especially if it's a sham, like uh, especially if people like Lindsey Graham who says, I don't have to know anything, I'm voting innocent no matter what. That's something that I've had a hard time understanding just from a strategic standpoint, why we have McConnell out there and Lindsey Graham out there who are, I mean, literally laughing about not being partial jurors. and. Those middle voters, the middle 10% that we're all trying to win over, those are the kind of people I think that are going to be so turned off by this. Even if they don't support the impeachment, they're going to be turned off by the lack of the fair process. Right. And when you're laughing about not being an impartial juror, that's a simple enough thing that most people are going to get there. Right. So, I think it's a way of whipping their members where they're saying, like, we will not tolerate any defections. Yeah, but it's also a way of whipping Collins. American public opinion against them. I, yeah, mean, I mean, that's really ugly. That's saying we are not going to uphold our oath. Well, do you think Susan Collins is going to be more likely to side with McConnell when he's acting like that? I think that makes it harder for her to, to look at him and say, yeah, I'll, I'm going to stand next to you. Regardless, um, we don't expect the two-thirds in the Senate to uh, remove him from office. <laughs> but again, no. all the crimes that he will commit from now on 
he could have been removed. They didn't do it, mm-hmm. and they've emboldened him. So I think the the roster of votes to to not remove should be etched on stone for all to see. But they're happy wanna, to own. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kim. I want to ask you about a couple of things. One is two thirds of those present. Right. This idea has been floated. What about uh, a potential Republican walkout? Won't happen. And there's another thing being floated since you brought that up. John Dean talked about it, and it's going around making its rounds now. That slow roll. Uh, that uh, after the vote tomorrow, and we assume the House will uh, vote to impeach with the two articles, that Nancy Pelosi could not send them to the Senate, just hold on to them. Like she, Paul said for the last two months. Well, you said they wouldn't have a vote on impeachment. You said no. They would hold I said it in committee. I, I okay. I I say to you, they will hold the impeachment. Right. But she could allow the vote. He could be impeached, but say we're continuing to investigate, and at some point in the future, we'll send it over to the Senate, which uh, it's gaining some uh, some uh, social media cred. I don't know. I have no idea if Nancy Pelosi's ta- thinking in that way, but it could be a way to further enrage Trump while they continue to dig up right. more material. I love it. Otherwise, he's acquitted, and it doesn't matter what they come up with. It won't affect the next election. Carl, I want to come back to what you said about Republicans owning his future actions. I agree with that, but I think they're also fine with that because his actions are largely around cheating to help himself win. And that's what they do. They're all okay with that. Max Boot wrote a very interesting um, op-ed this week in the Washington Post. Max Boot's a conservative and said that there's an anti-Trumper now. Right. And he has said that. People who are confused by Republican, congressional Republicans' actions just need to remember they only have one principle. If it's good for the Republican Party, it's they good. They cheated everything. If it's bad for the Republican Party, it's bad. And so when they're changing their positions night and day from the Clinton impeachments or what they said last year, if they were for free trade, now they're not. It all comes down to one basic thing. Right. What helps the short-term interest of my party? That's, that's why, all they care about. That's why they're engaged actively in voter suppression yes. and partisan gerrymandering. It's the core of everything that they do. And I, I, I hadn't read Matt. Boot, but that's a good a logical piece. argument. But there are a lot fewer Republicans these days than in the past. Right. And uh, that leads me to the next point before we get into the questions. There's polls out now, uh, recent polls on impeachment. And to be honest about it, if impeachment were up around 55 or 56 percent, you'd see some Demo- some Republicans change, I believe, mm-hmm. changing their ideas. Fox News poll was the first to come out in the last few days. Impeach and remove 50 percent. Now, if I were President Trump, I wouldn't be happy about that That because half the country wants him removed. Yes. Uh, CNN, a little bit different. 45% impeach and remove. 47% no. Quinnipiac. And that 45% uh, is is down from right, the last poll. Right. Quinnipiac, the same. 45% impeach and remove. Um, so, and that's down a little bit since the hearings began. If it had gone the other way, where it really spiked in impeach and remove after the hearings, I don't think you'd see a unified Republican Party, but that's where we are right now. I'm not sure they know that they have the votes. They, I don't think they're a unified Republican Party in the Senate. Well, we'll I see. don't think they're convinced that they have the votes. Do you to mean do to what? acquit? Yeah. Um, okay. I disagree. I think that they're convinced they have the votes. You have to have two-thirds, so that's a that's a pretty high bar. Now, there was a poll this morning. I got a, a, a text about it from one of my friends. It was from USA Today. Trump beats, out today, beats Mayor Pete by 10. Trump beats Michael Bloomberg by 9. Trump beats Elizabeth Warren by 8. Trump beats um, uh, Bloomberg by 5. And Trump beats Biden by 3. However, 
I texted back two days ago, the Fox poll, Biden beats Trump by seven, Sanders beats Trump by six, Bloomberg beats Trump by five, Mayor Pete beats him by one, and Elizabeth Warren beats him by one. So the complete opposite. Well, maybe Fox is just trying to lull the Democrats. No, into- well, no, 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 no. Their polling operation is above reproach. I know, that was So a what joke. I'm saying, within two days, we have one poll saying Trump beats every Democrat, and another poll saying every Democrat beats Trump. Mm-hmm. And what it amounts to, and Kim, back to your, my assessment is, look at these numbers in Quinnipiac, for instance, approval rating for Trump. Democrats approve, 44% of Democrats approve of Trump. I don't know who they are. <laughs> 92% of Republicans approve of his, but for only 42% of independents approve. The independent is a, independents are a larger group than either Democrats or Republicans. And so far, independents are on our side on impeachment and removal and on way on our side in disapproval of Trump, which tells me if we can win the suburbs big, where a lot of independent voters are, we can still win this election. We can win this election. And we're still 11 months away. Right. 11 months, plenty of time for Trump to do another 15,000 lies. Right. And and let me just say this, and, and I know I sense a lot of despair among Democrats right now because the economy is good and a lot of people are thinking, oh, Trump's going to be reelected. We have to fight for every vote till our last breath to get rid of this son of a bitch <laughs> in office and nothing less than our full-throated support to remove him and vote him out of office will do period what do you think of uh, of the uh, i forget his name the uh, republican uh, renegade uh, uh, from uh, amash is that his name justin amash justin yeah. amash they're they're floating his name as the the impeachment manager Maybe. Any, anybody think that's a possibility? Could be. It would be an interesting guy. Yeah. But let's get into let's what get we into the questions. Let's get into what we had planned for this evening. Uh, um, uh, climate activist, 16-year-old Greta Thunberg, was named Time Your Magazine's... Swedish is impeccable. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting better Thunberg every day. <laughs> was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Uh, first of all, do you agree with that? And second of all, who would you choose... For runner up or runners up, runners up. I actually three, four, one, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Kim. Well, I think she's a fabulous choice. She's the youngest person ever to have received the award, and I did not know until I looked it up that uh, the Time Person of the Year profiles a group, a person, an idea, or an object that, for better or for worse, has done the most to influence the events of the year. (laughs) I, I know what object. As it influences <laughs> podcast the most. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so the uh, editor in chief of Time said that Thunberg has become the biggest voice on the biggest issue facing the planet and the avatar of a broader generational shift in our culture that is playing out everywhere from the campuses of Hong Kong to the halls of Congress in Washington. And who would you choose as runners up? I think uh, my first choice for runner up would be the whistleblower. Okay. I want to. I just want to say that I really support Thunberg. Uh, I support her because she energized and activated her entire generation into the desperate cause of climate control. I mean, she got kids all over the world walking out of school, demonstrating, saying, "This is our country, our world to inherit, and you guys are fucking it up. Stop it! Stop it!" And I, 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 I. I, I'm not terribly sure that I agree with her anger, 
But I sure agree with her passion. But she is working on her anger management. Yeah, right, right. She's chilling and watching movies with her friends. <laughs> Old-fashioned movies. Uh, anyway, the children of the world are the ones that are getting, are the ones that we're hurting. I mean, we're still alive. We're still breathing air. We still have fish to eat. Uh, um, we still have a way to get around. Uh, the, the water is still drinkable once it's cleaned up. Uh, but it's the kids. It's the kids that are the ones that are going to suffer in the long haul. So I really support the kids uh, um, uh, uh, rising up in this uh, Well, let me, let me be a little contrarian. I disagree with the pick. Um, hmm. The Times criteria is, quote, for better or for worse, the person who has done the most to influence the events of the year. So this is kind of an aspirational award, I think. People want her to have the biggest impact in the world, but she hasn't. I mean, they talk about the, quote, Greta effect. Well, what's the Greta effect? Well, she's got some kids to walk out of school and gotten some leaders in Europe to say, you know what? You really touched me. You, my heartstrings are really pulled by what you said. But what policies have changed here? Um, what Do we see anything changing? I mean, the most you can say is that maybe some seeds have been planted in young people, and maybe in 30 or 40 years they're going to be in positions of leadership. But that's that's the work of a lot of people, not just one person. Um I obviously agree with what she's doing. I think she's brave. She's courageous. She's an amazing young person. But the most influential person over the past year, I don't think so. The people that I would consider, unfortunately, Vladimir Putin um, seems to be controlling the entire globe right now. Um, closer to home, I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has re-energized and changed um, the face of the Democratic Party. And lastly, Christine Blasey Ford, I think, completely changed um, the way, I mean, for a lot of people in this country looked at sexual harassment, particularly by those of white men in power. If you go strictly by the rules set up uh, for the criteria to choose that person, in my opinion, it's Donald Trump. He's done more to affect this world in the last year than don't, anybody else. Don't you, think, don't, don't you think his puppeteer is more important than the puppeteer? No. Well, that's true. That's, already, that's a great no, point. He was no. already named Time Person of the Year in 2016. Well, it doesn't mean, I mean, Hitler was By himself. Time Person right. of the Year. No, oh. Time Person of the Year um, in 2016. Paul, before you... Uh, did you have alternatives? I do. Um, okay. I runner, do run, we're talking about runners-up. Okay. I'm talking about runners-up. First runner-up, and he's dead, is Adnan Khashoggi uh, in, in representing the press of the world. And I think without – I think the press of the world mm -hmm. is our last bastion of hope. Without a free press, I think we'd be flushed down the toilet already. Uh, I also 14 times on the toilet. 14 times. <laughs> right, you got 14 left. Because, you know, as Americans, we flush 14 or 15 times when we should be flushing once, according to El Duce. Another, another alternative, <laughs> from my point of view, would be Kim Jong-un. Here's a guy who, who, who runs one of the poorest pieces of crap countries in the universe. And <laughs> the universe. he is twisting Donald Trump around his little finger whenever he wants. I mean, my goodness, how do you parlay mm -hmm. nothing? How do you parlay slavery into making the president of the United States go through hoops? Uh, um, the third <clears throat> thing I'd like to, to, to represent, uh, to, to suggest as an alternative is animal of the year. And I, I wanna, I wanna, Bring I love your thinking outside the box. It, it, it really is up there with your Swedish. I is love this, it. Is this, is this Baby Yoda? No, this is this is Conan the Belgian Malinois, the the dog that led you just us. Just want to say Malinois. So now you're trilingual with your French, Swedish, and English. But the reason I'm pushing us to 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 an animal of the year is I really want to nominate the Howler Monkey. Uh, I want to nominate the Howler Monkey because he's... I don't know about the Howler Monkey. The Howler Monkey is 
a very loud, screaming loud monkey because he has the smallest testicles of any <laughs> monkey in the universe. Do they fling poop as well? Whoa. I don't know if they fling poop, well, but that's how they attract. How is this monkey in the news? Because it's represented, <laughs> it's represented in Congress by Jim Jordan. <laughs> oh, okay. And oh, Matt okay. Gates. I got it. And got those it. guys, those I are our howler monkeys of Congress. He's with very... the tiny testicles and the big mouths. <laughs> they're, Boy. They're spirit animal, as the howler monkeys, yeah, what you're saying. That's really funny. Anyway. Well, um, First I had of all, to get to animal by, that was really by going to the Belgian Malinois first. That's a that's a the most roundabout <laughs> way to get to Jim Jordan and Matt Gates I have ever seen, and I salute you for it. I think uh, Greta Thunberg was a great pick uh, for time, and uh, you know by criteria, criteria, there's there's a lot of things happening on climate change. I mean, Ireland became the first country this year uh, to stop all investment in fossil fuels, and other countries are following. There's a lot going on that we, even we as activists don't even know about. But as a, as a leader, um, symbolic or not, I I love the pick of of Greta Thunberg. Now I Me I have too. I have a a few people for runners up, and echoing what you said about the whistleblower, I think Time Magazine could have picked Colonel Vindman, Marie Yovanovitch, mm-hmm. and all of the truth tellers who came forward to Congress when their jobs and you know reputations. Uh, not reputations, but their jobs, their well-being are put at stake by by Trump and his madmen because uh, these people showed us and reminded us what good civil servants do, mm-hmm. what good governance is all about. And I think collectively those people, including the whistleblower, could have been on the cover. Adam Schiff could be on the cover. I think he has been an eloquent voice for what these crimes mean to the country. Uh, Nancy Pelosi could also be on the cover. She's in between a liberal and center left wing of her party, yet has shepherded. It was no. Remember, it was Nancy Pelosi who made the decision to go forward with impeachment. It wouldn't happen without her. Plus, you could talk about all the bills that have been passed right. under her tutelage. Um, and two more. I actually love your idea about the press, but I even think Rachel Maddow. Could have been person of the year. There is there isn't a single person in the news media that is doing a better job night after night of explaining the the crimes that Trump has committed, putting them into historical perspective. And I, you know, I I I, I just or I would even say maybe the Washington Post editorial board and the New York Times editorial board because truth matters now more than ever. Would Rachel really set off the howler monkeys, though? Well, she would. Um, Of course, any of these people would irritate Trump, which adds to the luster. And finally, uh, I might put Mayor Pete in the category because of all the the people running, he is the one who hasn't been an established politician. He he has actually created a grassroots movement out of nowhere, being the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. And as someone who is uh, really a role model, whether you like his politics or not, for the LGBT community. So, you know, Adam Schiff, all the collective civil servants, maybe Pelosi, maybe Rachel Maddow, maybe Mayor Pete uh, could be runners. I agree with you on Mayor Pete. And aside from being uh, 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 that much of an advocate for the LGBT community, I would put Andrew Yang in the same 
category as uh, Mayor Pete. Yeah, why? I, I, because <laughs> yeah, well, why? because I think he's created a whole a whole area of his own support. Um, well, and, 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 and it came from no you're, place. You're, you're right about uh, that. Because he's getting about four or five percent of the poll, and you're right that he also has created something out of nothing. He wasn't an established politician. Right. I get that. So I understand that, but I think. When you look at the amount of money that Mayor Pete has raised, the number of people who support him and his standing in the polls, I think he's done a lot more than than Yang in that regard. I, I think wanna... those are all really good choices, Carl. Um, I'm sorry. I just wanted I to mention real quickly that um, Time did recognize the 2019 Guardians of the Year as the public servants. So, Oh, great. Yeah, they recognize nice. public servants. And nice. Time also does its top 100 most influential people of the year. And I want to comment on this because the way they do it is they, they, they pick the people and then they go out and find somebody to write a blurb about that person. And they always pick somebody who yeah. is fond of them. So I want to share with you some of these blurbs. And I'm going to warn you, you may want to grab your bark bucket as I read this. So this, uh, is, this, from uh, this is from the 100 top? Yes. Okay. Top, Mitch, Mitch McConnell is on there and oh. John Boehner wrote his blurb. Here's an excerpt. <laughs> oh, Quote, Whatever your politics or ideological inclinations may be, you and your family have been the beneficiary of Mitch McConnell's experienced leadership in a challenging moment in our country's history. Our nation is blessed by his service and the wisdom he brings to high office. Here comes translation. The bar translation. He did a great job keeping that Scalia seat open as yes, long as right, humanly right, possible. Exactly right. Here is Bill Barr's blurb written by Rod Rosenstein who oh, continues to disappoint no. me. Quote, now Barr returns to public service with a hearty sense of humor, a lifetime of wisdom, and a valuable perspective about the Department of Justice. He knows the history. He understands the issues. He respects the employees, and he will defend the principles. With Bill Barr at the helm, the rule of law is secure. Yeah. This whole thing is so <laughs> oh bogus. God. Can you believe that Time done. prints this I'm trash? Well, now, this is from Time? This or, is from Time, actually. Or is this from The Onion? Right. <laughs> That's funny. Two points. One, um, very few people... Compared to who's on the cover, very few people oh, read that, thank number God. one. And number two, I'm glad you mentioned this little pro-Barr blurb because William Webster, the former director of the FBI and has been a friend of Barr, wrote a scathing op-ed this week in the New York Times about what Bill Barr is doing to undermine not only the FBI but the rule of law in this country. Um, okay. I think those are really good well, responses. I'm making a note, William Webster. I want to I read that. I hadn't yeah. seen it. Yeah. Okay. So let's uh, let's uh, move on away from the uh, animals of the year, person of the year, people of the year, uh, and let's get into corruption. Uh, <laughs> you know, th this is how every cabinet meeting starts. Let's get into some corruption. <laughs> what do you? What's the most important Trump corruption story aside from his impeachable offenses? Okay, I, I have a lot. Being to say. the attorney, yeah, I have a lot Dylan. to say about this one. So, the, what I picked for this topic was last uh, week it came, or last month it came out that his charity in New York was being dissolved, the Trump Foundation. Um, and basically, what the Attorney General of New York found is that this was being operated as Trump's personal slush fund. Um, just some of the the wrongdoings of the of the foundation buying personal things for Donald Trump, including a Tim Tebow autographed football helmet, famously a painting of himself. The largest gift the charity ever gave out was a $265,000 gift to the Trump Plaza Hotel to renovate a fountain. Well, he actually gave it to the Central Park Conservancy. So it was a legitimate 501c3, well, but it was to renovate the fountain that was in front of the right. Plaza Hotel. 
Well, and he, here's what you didn't know, I bet. The I smallest didn't. contribution was $7 dollars to, the Boy Scouts. to the Boy Scouts of America, which happened to be the same amount that it takes to register a child in the Boy Scouts, which uh-huh. uh, Don Jr. was in the Boy Scouts that year. And when asked if the $7 was to pay for his registration, they refused to comment. Um, he would pay By de- the way, Don Jr. got thrown out of the Boy Scouts because of the first summer camp he shot every animal in sight. Go ahead. <laughs> the foundation paid debts to for his golf clubs, including Westchester, New York, and Mar-a-Lago. And this is the one that maybe irks me the most is that four days before the Iowa caucuses, you may remember that he boycotted the Fox News debates because of some problem he had with the format. And he said, I'm instead going to raise money for wounded veterans. Right. And he raised $2.8 million for wounded veterans. And then some smart journalists went out to figure out where this money went. And they couldn't find any organization that had received a dollar from this night. Finally, the Trump campaign was forced to admit that they actually took the $2.8 million from the vets and funneled it into the Trump uh, campaign for presidency fund. Can I I insert one thing in then, Paul? That right there, just that nugget, Mm -hmm. should be centerpiece of uh, – by the way, I have written down, I think, ads – I have like 25 on my list that can be run against Trump. Right. uh, On all different subjects, from sexual assault to to con jobs. That right there is a great ad that he took for wounded soldiers and funneled it to his – uh, company, right? Yep, lied about his campaign. it. His, 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 his campaign, campaign and lied about it. Right. Okay. Um, so, and by the way, everything that I just said is not an allegation. These are conditions of the settlement. Trump had to admit to all of these things and many more things. So now that the, the foundation has been dissolved, um, Trump has now had to agree to never operate a charity again in the state of New York. <laughs> His children, who had helped operate the foundation, had to take mandatory training on how not to embezzle funds from maturity. And so basically, in sum, we have a person now who literally is not allowed to run a bake sale in the state of New York who is running the United States of America. How not to embezzle. Do not do it. By the way, uh, if Betsy, uh, Betsy DeVos were not secretary of education, a memo would have been sent out to every teacher to instruct that every sentence in their classroom cannot have both words, Trump and charity, (laughs) in the sentence. And so this whole inquiry got me looking into Trump's charitable past. And this guy has a long history of promising to give money. So-called charitable Saying he's given money to organizations and then no record of it ever happening. Um, David Fahrenthold of the Washington Post has done exhaustive investigation. He won the Pulitzer Prize. He's the man. He has found out that over the past 40 years, uh, Trump has given $2.3 million in charitable giving of his own money. And so what that works out to, though, is $57,000 per year. Now, let me put that into some – that might sound impressive, but let me put it in some context. He says he's worth $10 billion. If that's true, that means he's giving away 0.00002% of his wealth each year in charity – which, to put it another way, means that for every $1 million he has, he's giving away 5 bucks a year in charity. Okay? And it, it gets worse. Since 2008, it appears that any personal giving has just completely dropped off. Um, again, David Fahrenthold found that uh, in the last 10 years, they could find one charitable contribution. We don't know the amount of it. We know it was less than $10,000 in 2009 to the Athletic League of New York City and no charitable giving from 2009 until he started running for president in 2015. Does the Athletic League of New York City have anything to do with real estate? <laughs> I have no idea. Let me also let me let me uh, just uh, read uh, the Esquire headline. 
That's, that's quite, by the way, that's a great recap, Dylan. That is yes, really it good. Is. I, and I wonder how many people out there know that. I didn't know. That's before, the sir. purpose of this question, because we are focused rightly on impeachment right now. But beyond that, this guy is a scumbag from day one, not to mention Trump University. Right. Go ahead. Uh, uh, let me uh, read an Esquire headline. The president just admitted in court that he ran a crooked charity <laughs> and we're all going to just shrug it off. It's almost water under the bridge. Our politics have gone so far down the rabbit hole that a story about how the president of the United States agreed to pay $2 million at a court's order while admitting he used his charity for his own gain barely made a splash. Nobody really pays attention to it. But then again, he didn't wear a tan suit. <laughs> and you know what? If, if a, any person who will steal, who will steal $2.8 million from wounded veterans – We'll steal from anybody. Let me, they will do anything. There is no a, moral compass. Uh, exclamation point on this. Uh, David Ther uh, Ferenthold, whom you referenced, with the Washington Post, not only won the Pulitzer Prize for national reporting in 2017, I'm looking it up on my iPhone, mm -hmm. but he won for that very story. Yeah. That story you mentioned right. about hiding the supposed donation to wounded veterans. And yet, let's put this in perspective. For some reason, 42% of the American public – uh, thinks this guy is the best thing since sliced bread, and 53% of Republicans polled think he's a greater president than Abraham Lincoln, the right. scumbag. Well, and, mo and most vets support him. That, I mean, go figure. Yep. Well, that's because he's smart enough to steal so many millions of dollars, they have to support him. Uh, uh, but let's also, one that hasn't yet, uh, hasn't yet been proven, uh, and, but here I am, I swear it's there. He took $100 million into his inauguration fund yep. that has not been accounted for to anybody or anything. And Lord knows where that scandal will take us once the words come out. Mm -hmm. I found this question super frustrating because, as you said, Paul, people are shrugging these things off. How can we even cover this magnitude at every turn? They're self-dealing, incessive self-dealing. And using his office for personal enrichment, and uh, I stumbled across a GQ article that detailed b date by date uh, these self-dealing um, actions that he's taken since he's taken office. And it, I just found it unsettling and um, and disturbing. And we just cannot keep up with the volume. It's like drinking from a fire hose. People mm -hmm. tune out. So here's a list of a couple of things that... Um, I saw some low lights. Uh, the State Department spends more than $15,000 to book 15, excuse me, 19 rooms at a new Trump, Trump branded hotel in Tramp, Vancouver, like <laughs> Vancouver, BC. A where Tramp hotel. Where several, Tramp Tower. <laughs> several members of Trump's nice. family traveled to attend a ribbon cutting ceremony. That was in February 2017. So they start in uh, 2017 and they go on. Um, September 29th, 2017, the Secret Service, which must provide security for the president during each of his taxpayer-funded weekend trips to properties that bear his name, signs an eight-month agreement uh, worth $62,000 to rent golf carts at Trump International Golf Course in Florida. But he doesn't wear a tan suit. January 4th. Or, or salute, while hold, well, salute while holding a cup of coffee. His right. wife doesn't have bare arms. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scandal. She bears something. Translate <laughs> for Trump supporters. He's white. Okay. Okay. He's white. Raise Carl. Yeah. January 4th, 2018. The administration rolls out a plan to open up 90% of the outer continental shelf of the U.S. for fossil fuel drilling. Five days later, Secretary of the Interior Ryan Zinke announces that he is exempting Florida from the plan after it's then Republican Governor Rick Scott complained about its impact. However, as New York Magazine notes, it's not just partisan politics. 
quote, oil and gas exploration could hurt business at Mar-a-Lago, also located in Florida. And then finally on my lowlights list, and I just couldn't even stomach anymore, so I had to stop in January of 2018. I, I'm sure there's a lot more, but... I got a few. <laughs> uh, January 24th, 2018, uh, Trump intervenes to put a stop to the FBI's relocation mm. to the D.C. suburbs, pushing instead for a more costly proposal in which a new FBI headquarters would be con- constructed on the same plot of land which just happens to be a short distance from the Trump Hotel. And with the FBI staying put, it would crowd out any hotel competitors so that Mm. they couldn't move in. Paul, before you jump in, just a quick interlude. Since you mentioned Ryan Zinke, we should remember how many cabinet members (laughs) of this administration resigned under ethical clouds and how many people have been convicted of crimes uh, from the Mueller report uh, and other investigations and are either serving jail or about to. Go ahead, Paul. Trump sells access to the presidency by charging people $200,000 to take a membership in Mar-a-Lago. Trump has defrauded regular folks by taking fraudulent cash for Trump University. We forgot about that one, or did we? I think you might have mentioned it. Then we've got the emoluments clause violations, taking money through his Trump <clears throat> International Hotel in Washington. He gets foreign countries, Saudi Arabia, Malaysia, Bahrain, Azerbaijan, Turkey, China, India, Afghanistan, and Qatar have all rented huge amounts of space in the Trump uh, Hotel in Washington, whatever he calls it. Uh, that's The Trump Hotel. The Tramp Hotel. I mean, that's a, a direct violation of the and emoluments clause. It's a real thing that the Constitution says you can't do. All of these things we've been talking about, and excellent recaps, all three of you, are exactly what the founders feared. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You go back, not just what's written in the Constitution, what was debated at the first and second constitutional conventions, what's in the Federalist Papers all over the place, is uh, clearly they had someone like Trump in mind. And again... This is one of the major themes. There are so many major themes to be pushed in an ad campaign uh, in 2020. And this better be one of it because what I think you said earlier, Dylan, and I keep saying, voters in the suburbs, those who believe that the republic is at stake, especially women voters, um, this means something Mm -hmm. to them. Um, I just have a couple things in response and not as big a laundry list, but I appreciate those laundry lists. Let's just remember that these two articles of impeachment, which will be voted on tomorrow, are very narrow because they have to do with Ukraine, okay? But on October 3rd, on the White House lawn, Trump told reporters that China should investigate the Bidens. He's not being impeached for that, but think about it. We're Mm -hmm. engaged in intense negotiations for a trade deal with China. This is pretty much a quid pro quo. They know if they did something like that, that it would improve their position. And this affects all of us, trade, just like the defense of Ukraine and Soviet, uh, excuse me, Russian influence in Western Europe and the United States affects us. It's extortion light. Well, it's against our U.S. interests because China might be thinking to themselves, hey, instead of giving in to these uh, worker protections or environmental protections, we'll just do an investigation on the Bidens. Make him happy. Of course. And the second thing that really really got under my skin in the last month or so was the pardoning of these war criminals. Yeah. I mean, and not only did he pardon them, he took them to, to rallies yep. and he feted them at private events at Mar-a-Lago. I can't think of anything worse for the United States, for our troops, for our State Department, for our image, than to tell the world that our commander-in-chief thinks it's okay to shoot civilians and go completely against our covenants and Geneva conventions. That is, and here are the Republicans. 
Right. Did they speak out loudly enough oh, against no. this? Did they say anything? Loudly enough, and I didn't speak out at all. And finally, anybody miss John McCain? I, I I will just add that um, I don't know if anyone saw this or not, but uh, the House Judiciary Committee added with their full report. It was a 169-page report that came out a couple of days ago because Trump's saying nothing is criminal. They added or reimagined, uh, not reimagined, but they made clear that these. At least the first um, article of impeachment includes criminal bribery and wire fraud because uh, they said that the wire fraud statute during the July 25th call and as well as separate phone calls a day later with Gordon Sondland were foreign wire communications. They were done in furtherance of an ongoing bribery theme. So the idea that these articles of impeachment don't rise to criminal levels. And by the way, they don't have to. The Constitution mm -hmm. specifies impeachment and removal. It doesn't – we have to reach the level of criminal law. But the 169-page assessment that came out, the report that came out a few days ago says they are criminal. So I will add that as well. The fact that it doesn't have to rise to the level of criminal law gives Mitch McConnell cover in saying we don't need witnesses. We don't need no nothing. Let's just say it's not guilty. Okay. Uh, those were really uh, both depressing and good responses to that question. And I, I don't want this – again, I don't want this stuff to just be talked about, uh, you know, at parties where we're dissing uh, Trump or on a podcast. I want these things front and center to the American people every day between now and the election, however we can do it. What is at stake is our republic. Is our nation based on laws? That's what's at stake here, Paul. Moving right along, since we're dealing with ridiculous hair, uh, 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 Boris Johnson won an over. Wait, wait a minute. Where were we? Trump. 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 Oh, Trump. okay. Trump. I didn't even Trump get it. To Trump. another person. Trump. Okay. I didn't get it. I, I thought maybe know. those monkeys had that. What are, you, what, are you, what are you drinking there? Is that Coca Cola? This is a uh, an, an iced coffee. Okay. I drink iced coffee. Did you get around. it at Kiva? <laughs> Kiva, uh, Kiva, by the way, is attached to the gallery here. Kiva is a wonderful cafe and spa owned by my older daughter, daughter, and it's attached to. Me. I I got this from this one has a mermaid Starbucks on it. Uh, oh, in oh, in guy. honor of the short-lived campaign by their CEO. Go ahead. Oh. Since we're talking about ridiculous hair, uh, does the British Labour <laughs> Labour with O U R Labour Party's worst defeat? Since 1935, portent bad news for liberals in the United States. Let me just say that in England, by the way, uh, uh, the left wing is red and the right wing is blue. What? Oh, oh, when they do their color. When they do, yeah. Well, right. they also drive on the other side of the road, so that just screws everything up. <laughs> totally fucked up over there. Um, but, unbelievable. but does but does does Boris Johnson does the Labour Party's big loss portend bad news for the Democrats in 2020? Probably yes, but it shouldn't. I think we should be careful here not to conflate liberalism and socialism with Jeremy Corbynism. Um, Jeremy Corbyn is a was a terrible leader in almost every sense of that word. Um, people thought he was an anti-Semite. So, for example, the Jewish population in Great Britain, 87% believed that Jeremy Corbyn was anti-Semite. The Labor Party counts on Jewish support. That's usually a rock bed, solid supporter of the Labor Party. They didn't have it this time. He's not charismatic. He's prone to gaffes. He's exceptionally weak. He wouldn't even take a position on Brexit. He was against it. He was for it. He was undecided. And then right before the election, he was against it again. And he just looks opportunistic. And he wasn't a good leader. He wasn't forming coalitions. He wasn't inspiring voters. Um, you know, and this is something I look at American politics. It's why I think a true liberal 
like Bernie Sanders could beat Trump and why a real moderate like John Delaney would get punished. Because in the United States, policy is such an afterthought, unfortunately. We vote on personality. That's why someone like – if you told me two years ago that the president was going to be elected – I'm sorry, four years ago. That the president we were going to elect, his major policy issue was going to be, going to be a tax cut for corporations and building a giant wall between Mexico and U.S. I'd say that person has no chance. But people didn't vote on policies. They vote on personality. Same in England. And Corbyn had a terrible personality. I, 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 but you're, you're reversing it here. You're saying that uh, – uh, uh, I'm sorry. I lost track. Uh, why, why would this give encouragement to someone like Sanders and socialists and liberals in the United States when, when socialists and liberals in England got dumped well, by it, the wayside? It wouldn't give them encouragement. I'm, what I'm saying is I don't want liberals and Democrats to learn the wrong lesson, which is that being liberal and progressive is a, is a loss and then we should all race for the middle. Well, I'm I think saying, it might have been called a loss in England and we're saying it's not right. the same and here. Now, now you have moderates what, here racing what, the microphones to say, see, we told you, we told you, you can't elect Elizabeth Warren, you can't elect Bernie Sanders. And I, I disagree and that with may that. be maybe they're right. Can maybe. I, I, I want to so. jump in. Jump. Um, what Dylan is giving is is the liberal spin on this. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that because no, moderates will give the moderate spin on this. OK. I'm going to say three things about this, but the third is by far most important. So stay tuned for that. Number one, I kind of agree with Dylan that this is going to have an effect. I think I don't have anything but anecdotal uh, information right now. I think this is going to help Joe Biden. I, nothing in the polls yet shows that perception of the huge labor loss in, in the UK is making people scared of a liberal nominee. I don't have any polling or scientific data on that yet. My my hunch is it's going to help Biden. Number two, it's interesting because I went right to Tom Hartman the day <laughs> after to see what his spin on this is. And before I tell you what Tom Hartman's spin on this is, I'll tell you that I went back to 2015 because Tom Hartman clips are easily Googled. When Jeremy Corbyn was named the elected the, the leader of labor. Tom Hartman said he is not anti-Semitic. This is just a joke. Um, he doesn't support Netanyahu in some cases, and people have falsely labeled him an anti-Semite. He is the Bernie Sanders of Britain. He went on and on about how they were twins and all that. So then, uh, of course, I look at his spin after. The first thing he said, well, everyone knows that Corbyn is anti-Semitic. And everyone knows that he's not Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is much more talented. So the, uh, somehow everything changed in a few years. Then I went back and looked at what Tom said about Boris Johnson. He's a clown. He's the same as Trump until after the election. Well, well, he's not Trump. He's very smart. He's a savvy politician. So everything was changed upside down on this. And there's nothing wrong with changing your mind as facts come out. That shows maturity and growth. I agree. It, it shows spin. Um, <laughs> Possibly. Uh, but I, I will admit that moderates are going to have their spin on this too. I just admitted mm -hmm. that. Here's the thing though that is the real important point about all of this is that nationalism and anti-immigrant sentiment is up all around the world. And, and that's what drove Brexit. Even though a lot of the Brexit – most of the Brexit um, uh, advertisements were a bunch of – BS and lies. Right. But let's understand how this anti-immigration and, and drive towards nationalism is fueling movements. Let's just – I want to just briefly take Europe. This is not only happening in the UK. It's happening in Hungary. It's happening in Austria. It's happening in Switzerland. It's happening in Denmark. 
It's happening in Spain with Vox, which is a right-wing party. And by the way, they have gained seats in the Spanish parliament because the moderates and left are divided, giving the right wing, right. just as I would argue, the moderate, the center left and left wing of the, the Democratic parties, of the Democratic Party here. About it. Let me give me one more example. In Sweden, if you study international relations, international politics, Sweden never, ever in its history had a right wing party until 1988 when the so-called – this is the Swedish Democrats. That's what they call themselves. They are a far-right anti-immigration party. In 1988, in the national elections, they got 1,118 votes. In 2018, the last national election, they got 1,135,000 votes, which is 17.5 percent mm -hmm. of the Swedish parliament. This is what Trump has been stoking here. It's what Fox News stokes every day. It's abhorrent on two levels to me. It's abhorrent, one, to uh, to base your policy based on racism and bigotry towards other human beings. And number two, it's not dealing with the big issues that are driving migration and mass immigration, either global warming or uh, globalization uh, you're not dealing with those mass issues. Instead, you're demonizing the other. And Trump recognized this. He watches Fox News every day. He tapped into this. So understand beyond the question of whether this will animate liberals or moderates or whatever, we are living in a world where people are trying to cope with big issues of mass migration and globalization with either wisdom and long-term thinking or this kind of bigotry, which is the behind Brexit and it's behind Trump here. We have to understand whether we like it or not that this is animating much of the Republican Party now in this country. Aided by Putin and trolls in Of Russia. course. They love this because it – it simply breaks it makes the west more fractious it makes it gives russia more of a dominance over the fractious western europe western european democracies in the united states and who is the big puppet of of putin it's trump well, Obama said this week that if every country in the world had a woman leader for the next two years, a lot of problems would get solved. And I am not saying there can't be a woman who comes out as racist and embracing these wedge issues, but I think it's a far less likely. The Finnish – I believe I read that the Finnish parliament is now 35 percent uh, – is controlled by a majority of women under the age of 35. That's you – know, by the way, they study bonobos. <laughs> and back to the monkey. Game. No, back to the monkeys. They are Howling based monkeys. on a female hierarchy, a mat uh, matriarchy, and they are much more peaceful than other primates. Go ahead. So I want to say also that I agree with you, Carl, in that we are not dealing with some of these big issues, and there's a lot of fear, and Trump was able to stoke that fear with the "I alone can fix it," and that's going to be coming back to haunt us as well this uh, cycle. But I also agree with Dylan that um, it's the personality too that matters. Yes. And we can't have lackluster candidates. Uh, Corbyn was a lackluster candidate. And there was an example where right after he took office in 2015, he refused to sing the national anthem God Save the Queen during a memorial service for the Battle of Britain, which was an air war in 1940 that, uh, that fended off Hitler's uh, troops. So, you know, you that's not going to appeal to rural voters. Can they? I um, – and I'm glad you, you mentioned about inspiration because Kim picked me up and we drove over today because we're going to the impeachment rally 
at Waterfront Park. Happy af- impeachment eve. After <laughs> this show. Um, just very briefly, I'm, I'll be very honest with you. I don't find any of our Democratic nominees inspirational in the slightest way. Um, Bernie excites people, but it's against billionaires. Elizabeth Warren is against corporatists and billionaires. Uh, you know, they may be right, but that's kind of an anger against things. I actually believe if we had a Democratic candidate who said to the so-called Rust Belt, we are going – the Rust Belt will now lead the country and the world in fashioning a 21st century renewable uh, future. I just watched episode seven of The Crown. You did too. It was about the space shot in 1979 where America landed men on the moon. I have a friend, Harris Pete, who told me that he thinks that's the last day America was truly great when we set three men on the moon. He says, we have been chasing our hat on a windy day ever since. I had chills about that episode. Look at Apollo 11, this documentary, because I lived it every day. The world admired the United States for what we did. We need a candidate to inspire, you know, Jay Inslee for the environment, Tom Steyer for the environment. I appreciate their good works and their attention to this, but they're not inspirational. We need someone to go out and say, we are going to the to, to Indiana and Ohio and Pennsylvania and West Virginia and Michigan. This is the area that is going to lead the world. We're going to solve the biggest crisis humanity has ever faced, and we're going to do it here. Well, let's that just, will win votes. Let's just hope that whoever becomes the Democratic candidate will 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 take that mantle and go with it. I hope. I hope. I, I mean, think we got spoiled with Barack Obama. Let's be honest about that. He was a once-in-a-lifetime politician, and he was so no matter what you think of his policies and where he failed and where he succeeded, Can't he suit. was incredible <laughs> at bringing people together and bringing together a coalition of people that turned out because he was inspiring. And I yep. know hope and change gets a lot of mocking, but you know yep. that resonated with a right. lot of people. And look, I will work my heart out for any Democratic nominee, but I have to tell you, um, we need someone to take that message. That can neutralize, by the way, the people who say climate change is a hoax. Let's do it Give me for a name. our economy in the world. Go Give ahead. Give me a name. Of, of someone who could yeah, do that? Inspirational uh, Democrat who could do that. Gavin Newsom. <laughs> oh, Great hair. Because he's handsome. What did you say? Great hair. Great hair. Oprah you, Winfrey. You, all right. Yeah, Michelle Oprah. Obama. Oprah probably. Michelle Obama. Sherrod Brown, maybe? Sherrod Brown. Yes. I would run Son Obama. Uh, you know, Sherrod Brown, actually, I have to tell you, um, Michael Tomsky, who I was reading up on this very question about um, – Jeremy Corbyn's big loss. He said, uh, like it or not, it's going to, he feels it's going to push people more towards the center. I agree. But he said, he made this point that there's two, there's two Democratic parties that reach the work. There's the Democratic Party of the, of the mainly white, highly educated urban Democratic Party, which would be represented by me. That's me. That's me. <laughs> represented maybe by Sanders and Warren and and, people. and and then there is the working class voters that Trump and the Republicans have peeled off. Biden is the one that appeals to them the most. But he said yes. in that article, the one who could do both was Sherrod Brown. He wins mm-hmm. huge among urban yeah. liberals. He won, wins huge among blue-collar workers. He is a person, and from Ohio. And he can win Ohio. But yeah. he's not a candidate. He doesn't want to do it for some reason. I have no idea why. He said he doesn't want to go through it. I don't know why. But let's come, before we get to the end, before we talk about something you may or may not know, uh, let's just uh, let everybody know we're not going to be here for Christmas. We're taking Christmas off. Christmas or week. Hanukkah. Or Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. 
Kwanzaa. We got them all covered. Uh, any Do others? We, is, what, uh, have we won the woke Olympics now? Thank you. Would <laughs> this be a good time to ask people to rate and review us as yes. well? Yes. Uh, so we're not, yes, please, uh, whatever platform you're on, please rate and review us if you like us. If you don't, turn the computer off and never speak of us again. Um, but we will not be on next week. We'll be on the following week. Yeah. Dylan, did you have more to say about this? I just want uh, okay. you to know that when you're not here next week, I want you all to scream like howler monkeys. Yeah. There, there, there's going to be uh, <laughs> uh, down at the waterfront. That's my I'm comedy sure. thing. That's a callback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, let's let's get into things that uh, that you may or may not know. Okay. Well, since you mentioned toilets earlier, that's my callback. <laughs> I just decided on the impromptu to throw this one in there. Uh, the first scene in which a toilet was flushed in a feature film. Oh, this is interesting. <laughs> on screen was American Psycho. Really? How did they now? Are that, really? That can't be true. My did goodness. everyone go through? Yes. Did they go to Birth <laughs> of a went. Nation? That yes, racist film and Are any toilets in Birth of a Nation? No. Okay. Next. No. Does, that, does that include an outhouse? Well, there's no flushing in an outhouse. That's I suppose. Right. There you go. Where do you, okay. I'm going to take your word for that. And you know what? Like I'm not movie. even going to research. That, what is that? Like 98 or when did that come out? Let me check. Nobody was flushing drugs down toilets before 98 in the movie. I, not on screen. That wasn't in Scarface. Come on. <laughs> well, I'm, I'll take your word for it, right. and I will do the research. And what, by right. the way, that was at a uh, Northern Hemisphere. Toilet or a southern hemisphere? I was thinking toilet. about that. Which direction was it? <laughs> Swirling. You know what? So I just throw this in. When we went to Buenos Aires, Argentina, in like 2010, Gary, for some reason, had the, he usually is bad with directions. He went to every place. I think it's. The, I swear to God, it's the southern hemisphere. He was better. <laughs> in, in, at, 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 at going to places in Buenos Aires, he was right on target. And you put him in the northern hemisphere, and good luck. Wow. Well, uh, how about this one? Shortest presidential term ever. William Henry Harrison. William Henry Harrison. And why? He caught pneumonia at his Because he gave the longest inauguration speech ever. 90-minute speech without wearing a coat. He insisted not to wear a coat. 48-degree rain. He caught pneumonia and died a month later. Yeah, one of my favorite stories. Goodbye, William Henry. Yeah. Yeah, guys, uh, good news. And on good news. Um, in 2006, then-Governor Schwarzenegger signed the Million Solar Roofs Initiative into law in California, which set a goal of building one million solar energy systems on roofs of homes, schools, farmers, or farms and businesses throughout the state. The goal was that these million rooftops would generate three gigawatts of power per year. Now, without getting to the one million roofs, California solar panels hit that three million gigawatt system back in 2015. And just this last Thursday, the state officially reached its goal of one million yes. buildings with solar panel systems. And these these buildings are now producing nine gigawatts of power, which is uh, triple what the initial goal was when, when they passed this law back in 2006. Now, to give you some context of how much power this is, nine gigawatts is the equivalent of six large natural gas power plants. And the clean production of this, of this power plant, of, this, of these solar panels, prevents 22 million tons of CO2 from entering the atmosphere each year and prevents the emittance of 16,000 tons of smog-forming pollutants and also bypasses aging and uh, expensive infrastructure for uh, old-school utilities. Good so for California. Good for all of what, what I take from all this is that it's great if we're energy conscious. If you can remember to turn the lights off when you leave a room, that's fantastic. 
Um, but if we want big, meaningful change that's going to save the planet, we need our leaders to step up. So I want to recognize the Republicans and Democrats in California yep. that came together and made something good happen. Good. Arnold was a Republican. I like it. Um, finally, uh, by the way, since you mentioned Wim Henry Harrison's longest inaugural address, I don't know if you saw anyone. I didn't listen to Hillary's interview with Howard Stern a few weeks ago. It's fantastic. Was it? The best thing that I read that came out of that is she said that during Trump's – after Trump's inauguration speech, she was sitting next to the Bushes, mm-hmm. that George Bush leaned over to her after Trump's speech and said, well, that was some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That makes me actually like George Bush a little bit. Um, three quick things. If you were to write out every number, one, two, three, four, going out, writing it out, you would not use the letter B until you reached $1 billion. Son of a gun. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, second thing, 12 plus 1, that phrase is an anagram of 11 plus 2. All the letters are used. Mm. And this, Paul, I bet you knew, but I didn't. State Farm's Like a Good Neighbor jingle was written by Barry Manilow. <laughs> I did, did you know not that? know it. He wrote a ton of jingles, mainly for KFC, McDonald's, but... Like a good neighbor, when I was State booking, Farm is there, Gar- Barry Manilow. When I was booking talent on the Mike Douglas show, oh. which only our older generation will ever remember, I found a lady in New York at the Improv singing. Her name was Bette Midler, and her piano player was Barry Manilow. Yep, that's and right. Then I, I brought them both down to Philadelphia to audition to be on the Mike Douglas show. There and you the go. producer had no... No taste, no mind, no brain, wouldn't put him on a show, said to me, she's a freak. And I said, are you crazy? She's wonderful. Wouldn't put her on the show. Barry Manilow came down as her audition piano player. Wow. Wow. Hey, I want to issue a correction. I meant to say Psycho, the... Hitchcock movie from oh, 1960. Was it the Clark Gable? Flintstones. The people, though, not animated. Wasn't that Brady Bunch? Oh, no. The first people on TV. Oh, not animated? Yes. I don't research that. But it'll never be um, Melania and. Oh, good lord. Hey, listen, thank you guys. Good job, everyone, tonight. I thought that was a zesty show, um, and I hope you thought the same. You can follow us on uh, iTunes, on uh, Spotify, and on Google Play. As Kim always reminds me to remind you, please rate us uh, highly and spread the word. Uh, We really want uh, to reach a lot of people beyond the choir, so to speak. For Paul Block and Dylan Hines and Kim Upham and our fantastic producer, Patrick Zahn, thank you. Have a wonderful holiday season. We'll see you on the last week of the year. Bye. All right, everybody. That was a really good show. Yeah, Yeah, thanks. It was.